Thus begins the Exodus. about you, but I just love that. It's worth the pause. I took off Wednesday after Good News Club before prayer and praise, and before I hit Manistique, I'd lost part of a tooth and almost hit a deer. <laughs> well, this is going to be good. something else. No, it was, uh, uh, the deer wasn't as close, it wasn't nearly as close as I've had them, um, aside from the three that I've hit, or that have hit me. Um, I, I was looking, it was on one of those long straightaway passing lanes, and I was looking way ahead, and I saw a deer go across, and the car that was, you know, probably, I don't know, two-thirds, three-quarters of a mile ahead of me, hit his brakes, and it went, and I said, okay, now, did the other did his buddy go with him already or is his buddy still coming? So I got up to about where that car was and I tapped the the brakes to release the cruise control and there I'd passed a car a little ways before and so I was slowing out. He was just gonna fly by. He, he you know, here was his chance, it was still in the passing zone. He was just gonna zoom right on by me. And then about a hundred feet ahead of me, and I was I was still I was probably still doing forty five or fifty at that point. His buddy went bounding and across, and this guy that was thought he was going to be cool and pass me thought it was better that he let me go ahead and hit any other deer that might come out. So he stayed in behind me the rest of the way until I, <laughs> I lost him. But anyhow, you, you never know when when is when with the deer, and if if they've all gone, sometimes they'll trick you and there'll be a third one. There, there's almost always two, and and sometimes and, and I pray when I travel, God, please, they're your creatures, and this is your car. Keep the deer off the road, please. And um, for the for the thousands of miles that our family drives in a year, we've been very very blessed and very thankful for God's safety as we travel. Attack, attack! I, I almost want to rename the the title of the sermon, but. Satan, this is what, these are two of Satan's tools that he will use to attack us. Opens God, God's words, if you would, to Acts chapter 6. Two, two of Satan's tools that, that he will use to try to defeat Christ. I mean, that's his ultimate enemy, is Christ. But he's going to try to do it through us. We, we've looked in chapter 4 at the, the persecution that he tried. Uh, Peter and John were were preaching and teaching, and they threw him in jail. They 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 had healed the lame man. They said, "In whose name do you do this?" And they threw him in jail and said, "Don't talk about him anymore." And of course, Peter, being the shy, quiet type, said, "We cannot help but speak. We will not. And not only will we not, we can't." Stop talking about Jesus Christ and what he did here for us. Then in chapter 5, towards the end of chapter 5, they, they, and because, oh, and I gotta stop here. Uh, chapter 5, and, and you'll, you'll say, Pastor, you're nuts. 
because nobody would list this as part or one of their favorite verses in the book of Acts. There's so many good, powerful, strong verses, and we're going to look at one of them today in chapter 6. But if you look in the middle of verse 28, I, I just, and, it, and it, maybe it's just the orneriness in me, I don't know. In the middle of verse 28 says, And behold, the, the Sanhedrin are yelling at all the apostles. And of course, Peter and John are with them. And the Sanhedrin are saying, Behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. Amen! Woo! Yes! They did what they had set out to do. They did what Jesus told them to do. They filled Jerusalem with the Word of God. Amen and amen! They did what they were told to do. And we need to do it. It's just a little part in the middle of the verse, but that's one of my favorite lines. And, you know, of course, Nehemiah being my favorite just takes me back to Nehemiah 6 when they finished the wall. And it says that the people, the nations surrounding them lost their confidence because they knew that their God was working for them. And Peter and John and the rest of the apostles here knew that their God was working for them that their God was going to be with them, was going to see them through. So there's the persecution that, that Satan is using to try to discourage. And this time they get thrown in jail, but they also get beaten. All of them get beaten. They get whipped. They get flesh torn out of their backs for the name of Jesus Christ. Beginning at chapter 5, we see that, that Satan tries to use hypocrisy in the church. With Ananias and Sapphira, they sell a property and they lie. And they, they try to, they try to make it look like they were like Joseph, the, the uh, Levite of Syrian birth at, at uh, the end of chapter four. They, they wanted to get all the blessing and reap the, the accolades that he did. And so they said, yes, we sold this property for this much and they bring it. And the Holy Spirit puts them to death on the spot because they were lying. They were saying one thing and doing another. And so Satan tried to use the outward persecution. He tried to use the, the hypocrisy in, in the church of Ananias and Sapphira. And in chapter 6 here, we're going to see the murmuring, the distractions. And then at the end of chapter 6 and into chapter 7, Stephen's going to be the first martyr. So not, not only, you know, prison and, and whooping isn't bad enough. Now Satan's going to try to use martyrdom to scare people to not follow Jesus. And guess what? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. So we're in chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Um, we are not going to get through this, all seven verses today. We're going to come back and visit this next week too from a different angle. There's just no way. I, we're, we're going to unpack all of this today. There is so much here, but, but we are going to unpack some of it and, and hang with me. Okay. Chapter six of Acts verse one. Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. And the twelve summoned the congregation of disciples and said, It is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables, but select from among you, brethren, seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. 
And the statement found approval with the whole congregation, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmians, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. And these they brought before the apostles, and after praying, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God kept on spreading, and the number of disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. Father, give us understanding, open our eyes, help us to see your word for what it is, to see the truth in it, and to... Be so brave as to apply it to our own lives and to say, Father, is that me? Do I need to change something in my life? Do I need you to change something in my life? Give us understanding, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now at this time, the disciples were increasing in number. Okay, we've talked before. It's not all about the numbers, but if it's a spirit-filled church, there will be growth. Because the Holy Spirit is not a stagnant person. The Holy Spirit is active and wants us to move forward. Saying that my sister gave me in junior high, I still have the 3 by 5 card somewhere. It says green is growing, ripe is rotting. That's why I, I, I don't find retirement in the Bible. There's a couple people that will pull a couple verses out that they think alludes to it, and that's all right. We, we, we ought never to retire from the ministry. Now, we're going to look today, and you're going to say, well, the ministry of the Word and the ministry of, of serving the tables, one's more important than the other. No, both are just as important. Both are so vitally important to the church. But we cannot neglect the ministry that God has given us to accomplish. And I, and I, and I, you know, I've said it many times and I'll keep saying it. If you're still on this earth, God's not done with you. He has a plan for you. I don't care if you're 180. God still has something for you to do if you're here. And when you have fulfilled His purpose in your life, And when his word has accomplished in you and through you what he set it out to accomplish, and what he sets it out to accomplish in you is different than what he sets it out to accomplish in the person next to you. Because we are each different people. He he, he gifts us differently. Not all of us have the exact same gifts, thank goodness. How boring would that be? But we're to use our gifts, our ministry in the church, to do what God wants us to do. To decide and back, okay, all that back to the a growing church is a church filled with the Holy Spirit, and that is not bad growth. Growth should not be our goal, but if we are living and working and operating under the power of the Holy Spirit, the church will grow. Or the con, the con, the the opposite side of that is if you're not growing, then you're not operating in the Holy Spirit. That's a little harsher to take, 
That hurts a little bit more. A complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews. The complaint, and, and I don't get into the Greek words a lot, but and, <laughs> go ahead, you can laugh at me when I say this. Gongusmos. And anybody knows Greeks probably going, oh boy, I can't believe you just slaughtered that that badly. It is murmuring or muttering of displeasure or complaining more privately than in public. Low tone, murmur. Do we have any English majors in here? Anybody know what an onomatopoeia is? Where's our English majors? It's, it's a word that kind of sounds like what it means. Murmur. Murmur. Okay? The, the, the ladies that just came through the Jude Bible study will love this. You came across this exact same word in Jude, verse 16. And I know you probably studied it a lot more in depth than I did, but because that wasn't the focus of my message. But verse 16 of Jude says, These are grumblers finding fault, following after their own lusts. And, and in a context, look back to verse 15, it's, it's referring specifically in how they were speaking against Christ. But this is the exact same word that's being used here, and it's also the exact same word that was translated from the Hebrew into the Greek Septuagint in reference to the children of Israel mumbling and complaining against God and Moses, murmuring. And and it isn't that they brought the problem to Moses, they talked behind his back. I had a NCO that I worked for when I was in the Air Force, and they were they were trying to get somebody to go work with her. And they told me I was the ninth choice. I was like, oh, that makes me feel good. Well, you know, they, they thought I was, I don't know. Anyhow, um, nobody wanted to work with her. And when they offered, they said, John, do you want to go work with her? Sergeant Michael, will you work with Sergeant Nelson? I said, absolutely, let me go. And after the chief picked himself up off the floor and put himself back on his chair, he said, what in the world? And I looked him in the eye and I said, chief, she'll slap me in the face, but she'll never stab me in the back. And that's what murmuring does. Murmuring and complaining. Quote from Harry Ironside, Satan knows that if he can set believer against believer... Child of God against child of God, he will easily fell the church. If the inward peace of the church is destroyed, then the church becomes very, very weak when it has to face a godless world. And they're bringing the murmuring right here into the church. Christ just died to do away with this. And yet they're bringing it right here. A complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews and against the native Hebrews. Okay, it might, it might be better if they said they're um, Hellenistic Jews and he- Hebraic Jews. The, the, the two groups here, and, and they, they, they kind of butt heads. There's the group, okay... Um, 
God's, God, when, when, God came, when, when God brought the Jews out of Egypt and into the promised land, he had them wipe the people out. And, and people say, oh, it's the Old Testament is so violent and gruesome. Why did God do that? God did that to purge those people that were not worshiping him. So then the Jews come into the land, and what happens? They don't worship him either. So they get dispersed. They get spread. They're all over the, the world. That's what happens when, when you don't obey God. You, you, don't, you don't sit underneath his blessing. You don't have that fellowship. So the, the, the believers are, are dispersed. And some, at some time, some of them come back. Like when they, they uh, first started with Zerubbabel from Babylon came back, and then Ezra, and then Nehemiah brought a group back. And others come from, from other parts. But there, there were those Christians that were under the, the Greek rule at that time. And so they learned Greek. And they, they lived in the Greek culture because they had been dragged away from, from Jerusalem, from Israel. So they grew up speaking Greek. And they grew up learning the Greek traditions. And so you've got that group that, that has come back to Jerusalem. Then you have the, the, the group of Hebrews that have never left. The Jews that are, are stayed in their traditions. Some good, some bad. And, and they're at conflict with others. The, the Greek Jews are sitting there thinking, boy, you guys are really legalistic. And the, Greek, or the Hebrew Jews are looking at the Greek Jews coming in and say, wow, you people are really liberal. You're, you're out there. So there, there, there's this, this cultural difference, and yet they're all, they're, all Greek, they're all Jews, and they all serve the same God. And they're, they're coming to the church by the thousands, as, as we've seen here in the first part of the book. And, and when, they, it, uh, when they were bringing things, they had all things in common. Chapter 4, verse 35, they would lay them at the apostles' feet, and they would distribute to each as any had need. And verse 37 and talking about Joseph again, he owned a tract of land, sold it, and brought it, brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. It was the apostles' job and responsibility to make sure that they dispersed it to those in need. Back in Exodus 22, verse 22. You shall not afflict any widows or orphans. Deuteronomy 10.18. He executes justice for the orphan and the widow. And shows his love for the aliens by giving them food and clothing. It was a responsibility that, that the Jews had for their own people. And might I say that if we would do the same thing today, we wouldn't rely so much on the government. It wasn't intended to be the government's responsibility. We in the church are falling short and not fulfilling our responsibility. Well, you say, but it's just a Hebrew, it's just a Jewish thing. No, it's not. This is, this is the church here. This is the church of Christ. But the complaint arose between the two because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of the food. Now, all indications are, and in, in from the text of the Greek that I don't understand, but that's there, um, there, there's no indication that it was done intentionally. There was no cultural discrimination here. It wasn't intentional. It was, it was purely an oversight because the apostles were so busy with the word 
somebody, one of them, two of them, whatever, dropped the ball and didn't meet the need that was set forth. So there was complaining, and again, it, 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 with, the, with the murmuring, it has the sense of being done quietly in public in low tones. Have you ever, have you ever walked into a room and there's a group of people standing there talking, and you walk into the room, and all of a sudden it goes, Huh, wonder what they were talking about. Probably wasn't my Christmas gift. <laughs> ever get that? Yeah, okay. Have you ever been part of that group that was doing that and shut it down? Be careful, because we're all guilty of it, okay? We've all done it at some time or another. Satan will use that to destroy the church. It's just one of the tools in his box that he will use to shred and tear. If it, even if it doesn't split the church, it sucks the life right out of it. It sucks the life right out of it, and it keeps it from being effective in the way that it should be. Verse 2, the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples. It is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. This was a bigger problem. Murmuring is, is, is a, a very bad problem, and it is a big problem. But an even larger problem is if they're not able to devote themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. I, I made up this cute little phrase. You might want to write it down. Don't let the urgent things keep you from doing the important things. Okay, I didn't make that up. So somebody else did, and I've heard that for years. Don't, don't. That's not my credit, but it, you know, it, was, it sounded good. Don't let the urgent things keep you from doing the important things. The urgent things can be necessary things. Laundry, food, you know? I mean, these things are necessary. But don't let them so wrap you up that you don't focus on the Word of God. The distribution uh, of the food and, and the job that the apostles were responsible for doing was not a bad thing. They were instructed to. The verses we looked at in Exodus twenty-two, twenty-two, and then Deuteronomy 10. It was a necessary thing. It was something they were supposed to do. But don't let the urgent things keep you from doing the important things. And in this case, the important thing is spending time in prayer and the ministry of the Word. That's what Christ wanted the apostles to be doing. The Word cannot spread when the ministry of the Word is neglected. Again, from, from Ironside, often the ministry of the Word becomes so, seems, excuse me, Often the ministry of the word seems so powerless and weak because there is so little prayer behind it. I get that. I get that. I know weeks when I haven't spent time praying as much as I should in preparation. 
And it's amazing the difference it makes when I don't let the urgent push out the important. But here's my challenge to you. How much, how often, how much time do you spend in prayer over the baby pantry? Over the ladies' Bible study, over the Good News Club, over Wednesday night prayer and praise, over game night, over men's Bible study, and certainly over the Sunday morning service. How much time do you spend praying for me? How much time do you spend praying for one another? How much time do you spend praying for those that God will bring through those doors to hear the word, the ministry of the word? I have definitely have a huge responsibility to spend time in prayer, to spend time in the word in preparation doesn't let you guys off the hook. You guys have a responsibility too. Can you imagine? Okay, I, I, I can tell a huge difference when I spend the time I should during the week praying in preparation for Sunday morning. Can you imagine if we all did that? Holy Spirit would just be blowing the doors off this building. The word cannot spread when the ministry of the word is neglected. The ministry of the word seems so powerless and weak because there is so little prayer behind it. Ultimately, it's my responsibility. I get that. When a pilot takes off in an airplane and it crashes, it doesn't matter what happened, it's his fault. If the mechanic left a screwdriver in the engine or something, it's the pilot's fault. Because he didn't get that on the pre-flight. I mean, obviously there's going to be ramifications for the mechanic too. But ultimately the, the, the pilot is in charge and responsible. And as your under-shepherd, I am responsible for you. And I take that seriously. I need you guys to pray. God needs you to pray. For this, this, for that, for the ladies' Bible study, for Wednesday night. How much time do we spend praying in preparation? Oh, I can go to church, get my fill up, fill up, and I'm good for the week. Wrong answer. If that's, all, if that's all the way you see it, you're probably on empty by Monday morning. The distractions, and, 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 and they're not always bad things. They can be good things. But they keep us from spending time with God. Remember, we talk about the, the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees Sadducees all being the PhDs of the day, and what made Jesus, what made the disciples different? What qualified them to preach and teach the word? 
They spent time with Jesus. If you will spend more time with him through the week, you will be more prepared and more qualified to share. You'll be ready when the opportunity is there. You'll begin to look for the opportunities, not wait for them. Verse 4, there, there's a whole ministry based on this. If you ever see a hat or t-shirts, it's 6 colon 4. It's from Acts 6, 4. It's this verse here. We will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Don't get no gooder than that. That's what the apostles, that's what Christ wanted the apostles to do. That's what they wanted to do. They wanted to spend their time doing that. And in verse 7, the word of God kept on spreading and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. The, 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 the word spreading, and, and it's translated well in the, the New American Standard. I'm not sure how your Bible has it translated. Hopefully very similar or the same of what I just read. The, the word spreading and the, and the word increasing are in the imperfect tense, which means they are continually happening. It didn't just happen and stop. It happened, but it continued happening. It kept going on. The word of God kept on spreading and the number of the disciples continued to increase. One more from Ironsides in closing. When dissension is checked within, Satan's work is hindered without, and the work of God goes on in great power and blessing. The reason we need to be in the Word and to be prepared is so that when we have the murmurings, we can respond properly. That we can respond in a spiritual sense, in a spiritual way. We talk about, you know, all, the, all these great ways to avoid COVID is to wash your hands, keep distance, and wash surfaces, whatever. My kindergartner teacher was telling me that. That's how you keep a cold from spreading. If, if you don't wash your hands, and if you touch doorknobs, touch anything, and, you know, rub your face, rub your eyes, whatever, and you get right up in people's face if they're sneezing and coughing, you're going to get sick. Your, your body's going to get run down. Your body's not going to be able to defend itself against the viruses and bacteria and whatever. So what do you do? You wash your hands. You spread. You sneeze, you know, sneeze into your arm, whatever. If you're feeling sick, stay home. It's the same thing with the body. If our batteries aren't charged, if we're running on empty, we're going to be a whole lot more susceptible to the devil's tools. That neglect will expose us to error and evil. And Satan will laugh all the way to the bank. Attack! 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 And how do we attack when we're properly shed, with a shed, armed, whatever, dressed with the armor of God, Ephesians 6? 
our, our, our battle is not against each other. Although when we murmur and complain, we're tearing somebody down. Ultimately, it's a spiritual thing. Because I didn't get my way. I wanted the purple carpet, not the red. Whatever. It's a spiritual battle, people. In in oh I yeah, I have been embarrassed before because I've been in that group that someone walks through the door and I go because I know what I was saying about them wasn't kind, polite, or nice. And it certainly wasn't out of love for them. That's a spiritual issue. Satan would love to defeat. He, you know, it goes back to, to Genesis 3.15 where we are at in Easter. Christ will crush his head and he will bruise his heel. From the day one, Satan has gone after God's plan to, to circumvent it, to make it seem less than it is, to try to tear it down, to weaken it. He uses the outward persecution from the Sanhedrin. I don't know, it was 25 years ago or something, I had one of those aha moments. I was sitting in Sunday school class in Belgium. And it struck me one day, and you know, you'd read it a million times, and it's like, boy, now I feel really stupid that I just had an aha moment over that. I should have known that 20 years ago when I was two. Saul was persecuting in the name of religion. He thought he was doing the right thing. Unbelievable. We can talk about others because it's constructive criticism or we need to pray for them. Hmm. When you pray for them, pray for yourself too that God will fix your heart. We will devote ourselves to prayer in the ministry of the word. That is the only way to build up our defenses so that when evil comes, we recognize it as evil and we're able to defend it and fight it and attack it in the name of Jesus with the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is something we must do. It's not an option. Remember, if you're not green or green is growing, ripe is rotting. So if you're not growing, you're stinking it up. If you're not growing, you're rotting. So either move, move forward or get off the trail because you're going to take others down and make them stink with you. Green is growing, ripe is rotting. Let's move forward. Move forward. Get past the pettiness. And move forward with being prepared in prayer and in the ministry of the word. Father, we thank you for, for the, the apostles and their insight and their understanding of wanting to accomplish what you wanted them to accomplish. Work in our hearts, Father. Help us to have the mind of Christ. 
not be concerned about having our own way. Father, give us a heart for others. Give us a heart of love for one another. That Satan, Satan might go down in flames, literally. We pray that you would use us to grow your church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Five-minute V.